Hello, this is Melissa, and this is Real History with Melissa, and today is the 6th of April, 2023. And I'll be talking today with Darren in South Africa, and I wanted to mention before we started our talk that it was Darren who gave me the idea for Not Sure to write a series of articles on the New Age. Darren had gotten involved uh, during COVID-19, the lockdowns, everything that was going on there, our loss of freedoms that was that has been worldwide. And he said, in the different groups that I'm involved in, I'm seeing an infiltration of New Age thinking. So these groups are being co-opted and spun off into directions that are not helpful to the objective of freedom. So I thank Darren for that series of articles. They can be found on the uh, Cutting Through the Matrix websites. There's a button there called Not Sure Pieces, and the first of the articles was Conspirituality. That was late June of 2022, and that New Age series ran through September 4. The last of the articles was called What Exactly Are You Channeling? So I'm thankful to Darren for suggesting this because it was a fascinating study and um, hopefully some of you read that and benefited from it. So, Darren, are you there? Hi, Melissa. Hi, I'm well. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, Thank you for writing a few articles on, on that topic. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, it was it was a really interesting learning experience for me. I know that Alan Watt spoke about, wrote about, talked about the New Age quite a bit, and particularly if you go into the blurbs that he did starting in 2006 and a lot of the interviews that he did, especially in 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. this was a subject that came up over and over again. I remember listening to those uh, back, back then, back when, mm-hmm. and I've never really had a lot of, um, I haven't met a lot of people who are New Age, and then uh, during 2021, I met someone very special who has been quite involved with the Telegram groups, and there's so many of them that are opposed to uh, the vaccination and to COVID, and a lot of Counter narrative, presenting people with information, and I just noticed that I think you had in the Telegram setup you've got a lot of I think all the counter the misinformation and the disinformation is I think they use Telegram a lot just for that, but there are sincere people who are running these Telegram channels. Mm-hmm. But I picked up that the New Age element amongst the people was, I, you know, it's the first time I'd really encountered it. And um, the people truly, truly believe in a lot of the, the New Age stuff. And at the very same time, they think that they are even opposing New Age at the same time. They don't even realize that they're in it. So I got quite concerned and I, uh, I made mention of a, a you know, some of the new age things that you look out for and that type of thing. And there were people that were quite argumentative and got very upset with me and that type of thing. So I thought I'd 
let you let you know about it, and hopefully that uh, you know you could speak to it. What were some of the examples of the way the New Age thinking had colored their minds and clouded them? You know, if you think of some of the, um, it's such a, a broad thing, but you had people that identified as as Christians who were incorporating elements of the New Age into their Christian, what's the word, uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to give specific examples, and sometimes it's more to do with their, their broader view, uh, because when you take a look at what they were saying about various politicians or big players, it wasn't so much the Christian mindset that, that was coming through with regards to current affairs. It was, the, it was a New Age feel as well. And Jesus himself, the character of Jesus was more or less replaced with, with almost like a, a pantheist type of uh, style. So there was that. Then there was the whole feel-good thing. Um, a, a lot of the people that were also claiming to be Christian, not everyone, but there was a bit of a mixture, is that the use of psychedelic medication, they call it, was a big topic. They would put a New Age spin onto characters like Elon Musk, for example. So they had, they sort of had their saviors lined up. You could see that the establishment has given people baddies, and there's the hero figure, and a character like Elon Musk. He's definitely been lined up, you know, sort of in that that pen that the shepherds will lead him to that pen and waiting for them in that pen will be an Elon Musk character and the all the new age philosophy almost almost turns a character like Elon Musk into a, into a deity of sorts mm-hmm. um, so it, it became very very apparent what the medium of telegram is for it's definitely there to guide those who are so called woke or awake they need a place where they can uh, chat amongst each other and gather information which is often fed to them by carefully selected pipe pipers and they guide them towards certain characters. It's been quite a learning experience because I've always personally just separated myself. I've been a bit of a, what would you call it, a loner, you know, for want of a better word. And now suddenly being a part of these groups and seeing how they work. It's quite interesting to see the different, um, you can call them shepherd dogs, you know, coming in at different um, sides of the sheep and steering them, you know. And the new age, yeah, the new age shines through. I don't know if that covers it. Well, it, I think that the, the new age has had such an effective stronghold that it has, mm. it's become mainstream. And even though you, you see, I recall years ago people would identify they would say that they were into the new age back mm-hmm. when that terminology was kind of brand new but mm-hmm. then the, it has it's become more insidious so they don't you, you don't hear new age you'll just hear things like i'm i'm oh i'm not religious i'm spiritual or you know, I'm just I'm into spirituality. Well, it's that's very vague. Um, mm. And and another way in which the new age you see it everywhere is uh, positive thinking. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, I, there was a, a book that that Alan's mentioned that I've mentioned called Bright Sighted by a, a writer who passed away not long ago, Barbara Ironreich. And mm-hmm. she talks about the corrosive quality of positive thinking that it's applied mm. everywhere. That And this is something that Alan would talk about too. People don't want to look at anything negative. They don't want to look at uh, the horror show that we're living through. And this is mm. an interesting, this is what I've observed about the whole COVID operation is that people were encouraged right from a lot of the authorized voices that were there speaking on behalf of medical freedom were also involved in seminars in which there were other ideas being promoted such as, I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but vibrating at higher frequencies, you know, love. Yeah. Yeah. The chi, all all of this, your energy. And, Alan would say very even-handedly, well, there's, you know, there's, there are truths there. It's just how they're spun off and, and used. Um, so I, a, 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 an example um, that I can think of off the bat, um, just that you've just reminded me now, something that I was quite flawed by, because it's the, it's, the, it's the cognitive dissonance with um, some of these people, very nice people, by the way, but they have this concept that the psychedelic side of, the psychedelic culture that's been introduced to them where cannabis or magic mushrooms are a, first of all, they're a medicine mm-hmm. and these substances are causing them to wake up. Okay, wake up. Yes. And um, yeah, that's a fascinating one all of itself because it basically just makes you turn in on yourself. At the very, very same time, you would present information to them showing them how it's the... I remember during 2021, I think it was Boris Johnson, they were talking about making magic mushrooms or psilocybin mushrooms legal Mm -hmm. and how it would help for this and that and the other thing. And I would say to people, look, you know, here is is the core. Here are the bad guys that you all hate, that you're fighting against. And yet here you have these guys at the very, very same time encouraging and trying to get legislation passed to introduce cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms and get it and get it into your body, you know, and why would that be, you know? Just to point out that contradiction, because, you know, they always give the people something to pacify them, to get people through to the next step of the process. So Soma. if you understand, yeah, Soma, if you understand the properties of cannabis and what it does and mushrooms, magic mushrooms, then you know that you kind of get an understanding of what they're going to introduce to the populace. And really, those, those substances uh, put you into your own inner, inner state, and they will help you to completely ignore reality that is too stressful for you to, to cope with. Yes. So they're going to uh, speed up the agenda, they're going to get people frazzled, and they're going to pacify them with nutraceuticals, Specifically for that, for that purpose, and yet the so-called freedom uh, truthers out there are busy themselves regularly using cannabis. Yes. And can't and can't wait for psilocybin and all these other things to become legal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you point it out to them, some of them, some of them get quite quite upset. Oh, they do get very um, angry. But, I mean, this yeah. they I, I'm not sure now the year that it was legalized in Canada, somewhere between 2016 and 18. But you know the and then you had to go to a government store, just the way in Canada you you're purchasing your liquor that has a government license to operate. It's mm. not a it's a you may see it at a private store, but it's really a government function. And the same yeah. thing with buying cannabis in Canada. And you have mm. to one has to ask themselves the question: Why is my government pushing drugs? Exactly. And for me, that would be enough. You see, that's enough. If they're pushing it, I don't want it, Mm. let alone all the other things that you can study about it. But Alan, a few years ago, when the microdosing of hallucinogenics became, oh, they're doing this study and every, and we're, it's amazing. It's going to be amazing for treating depression and and Mm. manic depression. And, you know, and, and now you have, groups of soccer moms that regularly meet to discuss how microdosing has completely changed their lives. But, Mm. you know, I just keep things simple. For me, it's enough. If the government is pushing it, if all of the same people, like you said about the elite who... Are your you know, people can't wrap their heads around. They're trying to kill you, and yet they're trying to save you. Exactly, it's a it's a it's a powerful dissonance that they're entertaining, mm-hmm. um, and they've obviously put a lot of confidence into cannabis. They've probably been using it for a long time. I sympathise, but if they are interested in truth, really interested in truth, they're going to have to let go Absolutely. of some of these things that have been uh, soothing them. You know. See, to me, uh, wait, you know, people talk about waking up or knowing the truth and it's, it's always external. It's the, you know, the, the matrix and breaking out of the matrix is an external place. They've identified what, let's say whatever time that they wake up, so to speak, um, then nine mm-hmm. eleven was an inside job or Bill Gates is trying to depopulate the world. They'll have these different ways of defining how they have Eureka seen the light, but Mm. the, but it is actually an inside job. Consciousness is an inside job. And what you put in your body that is specifically there to change your consciousness, whether it be alcohol, because Soma in one mm. form or another, has been used on populations, especially during periods of great transition. So you'd, you know, yeah. uh, flood the Soviet Union with cheap vodka. So you've got alcohol. To, you, you've got any any mood altering substance mm. is something that impedes one's path to consciousness. Yeah, it, it, it'll stall. Mm-hmm. It puts you into almost like a stasis. I think. Yes, because to be conscious is to mm. be wide awake and to be able to see all that is and all that is has the beautiful and the ugly. It has the uh, mm. frightening and the inspiring. All that is is not some... And, and also, I have likened these drugs that people think are gateways to 
finding God, you know, they'll go on a journey and take ayahuasca or yes. mescaline, yeah. and they think, you know, oh, I'm I'm just trying to connect to the great all. This is not yeah. an experience. Yeah. That connection that people seek is experiential, and these are mm. like an experience, but they are not experiences. And also um, Christianity, and there are people within these groups I noticed who um, who spotted it that they uh, uh, a lot of the Christians have noticed the New Age infiltration into Christianity as well. So there's that there's that side of it as well where. Christianity almost becomes, uh, it becomes cheapened. It becomes almost like a like a sermon in, in, in and of itself. Yes, uh, Barbara Ironreich mm. in her book, she was not a Christian, mm. but she identified this. She devoted a whole chapter to. Uh, mm. I, I I don't recall the the title of the chapter, but she really pointed this out. Particularly, you see it. It's very obvious in the mega church movement, and and yes. what they call the prosperity gospel or the prosperity doctrine that God wants to oh, yeah. prosper you. Mm. And really, what this is is in the New Age thinking, you have the law of attraction. You'll get it in things like the book that was so popular called The Secret. That if you just think it and you think it hard enough, oh, yeah. you can attract it to you. Well, that is definitely come into Christianity via the idea of prosperity. And I had this conversation yeah. once with a Christian that was very close to me who kept saying, oh, God is good. God has blessed me so much. And then they went on to mm. talk about some material benefits that had come their way. And I said, so, so God is like Santa Claus. He he brings yeah. you gifts, you know. That's an, well. That's interesting. I found um, I, I'm I, I, being put on the spot and trying to think while being recorded. It's a little <laughs> bit tough. I'm not used to it. Um, but I'm trying to think of an example of New Age thought in Christianity. Uh, something that comes to mind is um, faith versus works. New Age cheapens aspects of Christianity where you know some some Christian Christians view faith as all and you know you can't work your way into heaven type of thing and I think the new age plays upon that a little bit by you know you don't really have to do anything mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be you just have to um, you have to just wait upon the Lord but at the same time it's like living in the now and just being positive, they mm -hmm. blend it expertly. It's very clever. If it you is point clever. Out to people, Jesus said, "You, um, you know, you will identify them by their fruits and by their works and that type of thing." So, you know, it's not a faith versus works. It's it's you a need combination. To have aspects of both. Yes. It's a combination. Yes, the I mean, new he... age seems to split it here. Go ahead. Oh no, no. So to say, the new age um, puts aside the work side, keeps you. Doesn't want you to do anything. Just wants you to to be happy, you know. Well, I I mean, you know, I'm not sure that be that laying down your life for your brother is a work, but mm. it is perhaps the ultimate work. You know, yeah. Jesus, Jesus was. You know, he said when he sent his disciples out, "You are going to go with no provisions. You know, just the clothes on your back mm. and." 
Um, and if you've got something extra, if you have an extra coat, you'll be willing to give that to someone who needs it. You'll, you'll be will mm. you'll feed someone who is hungry. Well, these things are works. Yeah. And, um, going to work early in the morning and driving down a cold, windy street in the winter of 2021 and these long queues are forming up of people standing with their little kids or children holding them in their arms or next to their side, patiently waiting for their vaccine or the vaccine and they're lighting up outside the local church, you know Mm -hmm. and you think to yourself you know what on earth has happened to these people because um the kingdom of heaven is supposed to have a higher authority than the urgent um, naggings of a bunch of crooked politicians who they know through experience are crooked and can't be trusted. And yet there they are in the cold morning lined up to get the shot. It's, uh, it's just, I found it absurd. It's, you know, I've watched some of the vaccine injured speaking out in various formats. Mm. And what is interesting to me, I I know that a lot of fear was played upon. And so Mm. people, people made choices that because they were terrified of this virus, you know, so their fear was played upon. But more often than not, the people, which the honesty actually surprises me. They'll say, look, I had some hesitation or some doubt, but I mm. needed it in order to get this job. Or, you it, can understand it, it, yeah. Yeah. or they'll say, yeah. I, I, I had doubts about it, but I wanted to travel. You I've know. heard that a few times. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they they chose the convenience of of travel. In other words, to go somewhere was more important to them than to safeguard their health. And, and what be- also got to me is that some of the people who were saying that they were aware that this whole thing was a hoax. They mm-hmm. still said that and did it, knowing that this. COVID event was not real or, you know, maybe they didn't have all the information, but they could smell a a rat. But even then, even still, (laughs) they chose the option to travel or whatever. That is the stunning, the stunning thing about humans. Yes. Um, If you've ever watched a nature show where you have sheep in a, in a, in a kraal, at night and they're all huddled together uh, and then a wolf or two uh, jumps in and starts circling the sheep um, when you take a closer look at the sheep the sheep on the outside of the ring are, are trying to desperately get in to the middle and the ones just in the middle are trying to boot out their buddy to the outside <laughs> <laughs> and all they had to do is just turn around and charge the wolf Right. that's all they had to do but they won't do it no. Even if they know, uh, and that's that is where personally I had a. Um, you can't say I went into depression, but uh, I fell into a. I fell out of love with human beings for a while. You could say, mm-hmm. where I felt disgusted, <laughs> um, and uh, 
you have to remind yourself not to be taken in and to maintain your frame and what you know the importance of life itself and and standing up for standing up for people yeah the, absolutely and i i think that you reminded me of the illustration that alan gave a lot of mm. the disbelief um, during World War II, the there were, there mm. might be two or three guards there with a gun, and there was the prisoners had been made to dig a trench, and they had seen their fellow humans shot and then shoved mm. or falling back into the trench. Incredible. But when it came yeah. when it came their time, and Alan would always say you have 50 or 100 prisoners if they charge the guards yes two or three or four of them would be killed maybe may yeah. killed or injured but mm. you'd have 50 or 100 people and if this had been done repeatedly always charging the guard as a as 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 a group mm. but this is not uh, human are- nature it's, it's not human nature, and that's why the path of the individual is painful. <laughs> you know. Yeah, what, what I, would, I would see with people wearing their masks and waiting in a queue outside of a supermarket or something, I would always initiate a conversation and voice my concern just to put a – just to speak out. And what you'd notice is that people would – no one would speak at all. They're standing in these queues absolutely silent – Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd say, you know, um, why are all these people doing this? And if you and the individual would answer to you and say, well, they're a bunch of cowards, or they they would denigrate and say something, you know, that they they lack courage or whatever it is. But at the, the at the same time, the very person saying that to me would be wearing a mask and keeping six six feet away. They would literally be practicing the very thing that they are criticizing the people in the queue for. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, well, you know, um, do you understand the law? Because the president comes on TV or a so-called emergency council saying that you have to do this and you have to do that, and yet it's not a law. Did you know that? Because mm-hmm. uh, people were saying, well, I have to wear my mask. I have to do this. And I said, well, you actually don't have to at all. There's no such law. And I would raise things like there's such a thing as a constitution and you actually explain what a constitution is there for. Um, It basically protects everyone in in society from each other in a sense. And they would kind of give you a dull look back. But you could tell that they haven't really considered it. It doesn't really matter. And they are kind of looking at you wondering why you're so upset. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or why are you even? Why don't you just be like the rest of us? And you know, you, you you speak to people and you say, "Look, there's no one making you do any of this. Did you know that it's actually you? You are the one bringing this so-called pandemic or the lockdown into existence. You actually are living it into being. The people that are making you do it." are not doing a thing. They're just speaking words. They literally are just saying things, um, speaking words into the air. And everyone is participating. If they just stopped doing it, 
you would you wouldn't have a lockdown <laughs> and you wouldn't have any of this they that's are participating in it that's you, right you can't get them to see it no it's fascinating you no. you, t- you reminded me the redux yeah. that went up yesterday yeah. was uh, a conversation that Alan had in 2006 and he was talking about mm. words as having magical power and he exactly. said yes yeah. he sa- he said yeah. the words and, and talking about how language was created and spell and spelling were under a spell and he mm. said he said, if you think about it, when you have a word and you string them together, you have a sentence. And a sentence is it's yes. actually how you've been convicted, you see? I see, yes. You've yes, been yes. sentenced. You've been sentenced to death or sentenced to wear a mask or sentenced to take a vaccine because you're mm. under the spell of their language that they created. You have yeah. to get outside of that. It's incredible. Yeah, I I don't know. Personally, when I woke up, I I think I've mentioned before that I, I, I kind of find that word, I, I'm uncomfortable with that word. But the point is, I think, listening to people that you've spoken to so far, like Adam, I think Adam raised it. Uh, I think some people from a very, very young age have kind of been awake. I Um, remember, uh, Darren, that you actually communicated this a time or two Mm. to Alan in emails. You, Mm. you said that, um, in, in writing. I've never had a, I've never had a grand awakening of my own. No. You said that you had always just seen things differently Mm. from a different perspective your whole life. And that was just the way. It's frustrating because you don't know that you're awake. Or yes. you don't know that you you don't know it, especially at a young age. So you feel quite um, uh, alienated. Was the yes. right word to use? But mm-hmm. you feel lonely. Something that I wanted to to talk to you about, or maybe the next time we chat, is you mentioned something that really concerned me is that you mentioned when you first came on the air how there are people who are losing uh, the grip on. Um, you know, they're having suicidal ideation mm-hmm. or giving in to uh, previous um, bad habits or whatever it is. I would like to, I wish I could say something that would lift their spirits. I really wish I could say something that would that would help because the old cliche is, is that you have other people that share your point of view and that understand things and probably share a lot in common with you. But when the when you stop listening to the talk, you're back to your world again and you still feel a bit isolated and alone maybe but I think if we could try and encourage folk to take more heart and to the word um, belief is uh, sometimes mocked and used out of context but if if we could have more belief in the in the knowledge that there are others who sympathize with us with our views and understand what you're going through and all that type of thing if you could make it real because it is real it, 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 it quite alarms me when I hear people thinking of uh, taking their own life I actually want you to speak to that but I, I'm, I'm no expert in psychology and I haven't got a clue what to say I, um, I, I know what you're saying yeah. I, I'm not mm. a, 
an expert in psychology either, but it is mm. it's distressing because on yeah. the one hand you you know, I can sympathize with people taking a bleak view of the world and human nature and yeah. uh, you know, and that but on the I I return a lot to to very simple concepts that I got from Alan. The first this is so simple, but he said it I remember when he said it to me, and I know he said it to other people, you matter. The choices mm. that each of us as individuals make, they matter. And he would say mm. that the the indoctrination that we are we're born into this system of scientifically perfected indoctrination. And the the fact yeah. that that it doesn't take from the get go with with some people who just feel that they've always been aware or alienated, or that some mm. people are able to break through their programming, this is a miracle. This is what Alan would say. This is the first miracle that you that one can break through, or that it doesn't take on them. And he would say yeah. that that knowing this, no matter it. If it's hard, if you hold on to your consciousness and the knowing of this, then you can find your purpose. And it really matters for for people. Mm. All that we're scattered, we're few, but and we're all over the world communicating the best that we can. But it matters yeah. that we are able to find our purpose. This There's great meaning and there is great power. Mm. And frankly, this is why unauthorized voices are anathema to the system, because there is there is great great power in people who genuinely care about their fellow human beings that don't want to see them suffering with suicidal thoughts. That that want to see them prevail. Mm. Yeah, I saw it with my um, my parents. They, they are, they're a lot more aware than they used to be. But during 2020, I saw them every once in a while when I got to see them. Up until about August, September, they were truly sold into the narrative of, you know, uh, this a deadly, deadly virus. And it's absolutely, you know, people over the age of 70 are dying by the, by, by the million. If someone is caught up in the news cycle and they're, they're bought into the narrative, they're seeing the images of people on respirators in hospital in Italy, you know, it, 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 it sinks really, really deep into the psyche. But um, what I would do, I would just simply uh, go to the, you know, there was a site called Worldometer, which was keeping stats. Mm-hmm. And that was the official, one of the official st- statistic sites. I'd send them, I'd say, look, the, the, the population of Italy is such and such million. And um, then I'd break up the demographics and I'd say the population of people between 70 and 75 but, um, years of age are such and such. And they are such and such a percentage of the country. And then I'd show them the number of people in Italy of that age bracket, the most vulnerable age bracket there was, who had died of this plague, you know, mm-hmm. and it worked out that even in that most vulnerable age category, that it was a 0.03, you know, 
And it, you'd have to repeat that a few times until eventually they, the spell was broken. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sending them the references too, so you can't deny it. So I, I'm just saying, look, the narrative that's coming across on the TV is capturing you. But take a look at, actually take a look at the numbers. These same self people actually present to you via the statistics. Don't you see how they don't align? Yes. And eventually it broke hold. And I was so relieved that here are my parents. They're both in their early 70s, are no longer trembling and afraid and caught up in the, you know, the, the hysteria. It was, a, it was quite a big relief. And, it's, and it gives you dignity. You yes. Um, That's what, a good word. What, what, yeah, what I really learned from this thing over the last three years, and it's, it might sound flippant, but people are really bad at numbers. Yes. They are terrible at perspective and comparing things to other things. I actually found it staggering that uh, very intelligent people in the healthcare community, because I am in the healthcare sector, were just... I don't know, they'd thrown their, 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 their minds out the window. It was really something to see. Um, well, because st- statistically there was no pandemic at all. No, uh, there wasn't. And yeah. remem- do you remember yeah. that the WHO actually yeah. changed the definition of pandemic so that they of could enter? Yes. Do, do you remember that? I remember that, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. I, I mean, and, and also... We were up. We're up against neurolinguistics, neuroscience, and huge, huge think tanks. That re- recall Sage in England, mm. and it actually yeah. broke out. Mm. It was revealed the fear tactics that you know they they actually said Sage Group. Um, I, I'd have to look it up to remember what the acronym is, but they said we have to whip up yeah. the fear. Yes, we have to, we have to heighten yeah. people's sense of fear. This was their recommendation. Okay, here it is, evidencenotfear.com. This was probably mm. the lead article on it, but it said how Sage and the UK media created fear in the British public, and this was yeah. documented by a, a website called Evidence Not Fear, and this was evidence-based science, evidence-based medicine. This was June of 2020. It said COVID-19 started registering with most of the British public around late February and early March. Many were concerned, Mm. but not particularly afraid. Only weeks later, people were terrified to leave their homes or go near other human beings. How did such a dramatic shift in public perception happen so quickly? It talks about it. The SAGE, the uh, Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, SAGE, produced a document for the UK government highlighting methods Mm. for rolling out new social distancing rules. These were behavioral modification techniques. And it worked. Yeah, they they had their minds um, completely familiarized with the whole concept of pandemic 20 years before Mm -hmm. or throughout the 20 years. What was that first one with uh, Dustin Hoffman back in the day? Um, Outbreak, I believe Outbreak, it was called. Yeah, that, yeah. that was the first one I remember. I think mm-hmm. that was maybe the first one. And there have been dozens since then. 
mm-hmm. um, but it follows a script and the emotions there even the pre I, I notice with some people you know you can see how some people are you can see how highly suggestive they are in that I remember seeing some people literally imitate the way of speaking and even the body language of scenes I'm sure I had seen in some of these pandem- pandemic movies. The, the, the script kicked in. I saw, I saw some of it. I think I and, am um, imagine that you did. It, it wasn't very common, but it, it was there. And then you have to think to yourself, well, how bad is this going to get? Because, uh, you know, people who were in the know were expecting a pandemic of some sort. And uh, what really fascinated me was that I was expecting a real pandemic. I was expecting 20% uh, death rate, you know, that type of thing. But after the second week that it started in March, you could tell it's, this is fake. Yes. Uh, I didn't expect them to have the, to have the um, kahunas, as they say politely, to actually pull off a fake pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that the whole world didn't really spot it is absolutely... I am deeply, deeply alarmed by it because I thought they would have needed something a lot more realistic to pull it off. And, you know, people were lining up for two, three, four shots of a, of a thing in their arm during a pandemic. Every single doctor and pharmacist and clinic sister and you name it who has been in the healthcare industry, it's common knowledge that you cannot apply a vaccine during the heart of the pathogen. Yes. That's, that's the most common knowledge there is in the healthcare sector. And no one applied it. No one even brought it up. I didn't hear it mentioned once. And that is fascinating, mm-hmm. Melissa. It is. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Sorry. You, you, you yeah. I mean, abs- at yeah. the very, very, very outset yeah. of this... Mm. Oh yeah, Alan took it seriously because you know bio warfare. What things that can exactly. be created in a lab are very real. Exactly. But then it yeah. became, like you said, it became quickly apparent that this was not mm. that. Yeah. 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 But I think that the the strategies, the sage techniques, the the mm. psycholinguistics, the way words are used, the way images are, you know, these images out of China. Of, people just dropping down in the street, you know. This is the one thing, um, Melissa, Melissa, that is on the back of my, in the back of my mind because, you know, you've heard Bill Gates mention that, well, the, the next one will yes. get everybody's attention. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you give everyone a fake pandemic, you play it out for three, four, five years, and everyone kind of realizes at the end that this was a fake thing, um, they hang up, they hang a few people out in the public um, square to be hanged, you know, as a token. These are the bad guys. They shouldn't have done this. But then, then you release something that's really bad, like a smallpox, which was mm-hmm. in one of the um, what are those scenario planning events? It was a smallpox thing. It's one of them. Um, and, and but I, I remember the one that I read. It's the children. It's the children, you see. The children will be affected. And let's just say the infection fatality rate is 20%. 
people will they've been prime there has been a fake thing but it's um, you can just imagine the doubling down that would probably occur if a genuine drop down in the street event did occur mm -hmm. you know catching everyone off guard it doesn't matter how correct you were about holding the view about vaccines that will fall completely out the window and anyone holding an anti-vaccine view will probably be heavily targeted. Oh, yeah. Um, in, 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 not just by authorities, but by just ordinary people, you know. So I, I kind of wonder if 2024 or 2025 or somewhere around there is the time where something like that could happen. It's just enough time to have the, the sort of fake pandemic you know, sort of recede slightly into the background, the general public um, become relaxed, and then, you know, boom. Well, you, you recall think, that the WHO had their, yeah. you know, their emergency mm. plan that was at yeah. the outset of this, that the timeline on that was five years. Exactly. So, uh, um, I, you know, I was just looking right now, I pulled up the Rockefeller Foundation 2010 scenario for the future of technology. I was going to see if that yeah. was the pen. I don't think it was one of those exercises, but I do mm. remember, I, I remember seeing that one of the tabletop exercises was targeting children. I just don't, I can't recall which one. Yeah. Um, and, um, they also talk about Roadmap 2030. A lot of politicians are all referring to this 2030 Roadmap where they want to achieve digitization by then. Mm -hmm. Well, um, some pretty significant events have to take place in such a short time yes. for them to be so confident that they can meet that Roadmap. So I think there's some nasty stuff probably lined up and it might make people depressed to think about it. But... Yeah, I think we need to uh, step up and to strengthen our strengthen our resolve and get prepared in some way. You know, well, if there's something like yeah. They're not backing Sorry, down on this. They're not backing down on this agenda. Yeah. And 2030 is a very um, important time frame to keep in mind because it, it mm. isn't just the digitization of money and that yes. but they've also talked about no gasoline engines so we're you know we're we're seeing the whole agenda yeah. 21 the the fallout the financial collapse that they promised we were going to have part two yes. uh, so all of these things i think will mm. be hit from multi-angles in the next few years where I, yeah. the, I I am with you though, Darren, on that is that mm. you don't want to see people uh, become discouraged and disheartened and God forbid suicidal, but mm. this, the we can't allow ourselves to be lulled into complacency and just, oh well, you know, that well thank goodness that is over because they mm. will keep hammering us until they get what they want. When we first got started talking this afternoon, you mentioned Elon Musk and or the idea that we were given heroes, and it made me think that it's isn't it interesting that this hero that we're given, he is the grandson 
of one of the promoters back in the 1930s of the or the great grandson. I'm not sure, but um, of mm. the Technocracy Inc., which is a, you know yeah, yeah. that is basically a scientific dictatorship, a world run by experts and a credit based system. And you have Elon yeah. Musk, and what is he? What is he famous for? His electric car. This is all part of the agenda. What else is he famous for? Taking people to Mars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that just makes me think of the ending of the movie um, Shape of uh, Things to Come, you know, based on the mm. novel Shape of Things to Come, H.G. Wells. It's, yeah. you know, the, the elite go off into the future. And it also, you know, an Elon Musk, what else is he pushing and promoting universal basic income. Well, there you go. So here is this fellow that some people in the truth alternative community, people that you're seeing on Telegram or whatever, are promoting as Mm. he's the defender of of free speech. He's, you know, our our knight in shining armor. He's on the white, he's a white hat guy. And it's just very ironic. and, And it is hard to point this out to people because we seem to be hardwired to need a hero. Yeah, we've been trained and conditioned. I just had another thought about um, when you um, take a look at the at technocracy and how it's going to be combined into a <clears throat> communitarian type of society, a structure where the collective is more important than the individual. Um, it'll be a rules a rules based. There won't be government. It'll be governance that'll be digitized. So if you neglect to do this thing, whatever it is, which is live on the system, it will automatically penalize you and block you from something else that you need in your life in the system. And the people forget that on the other side of that coin is an incentive system. So you will be rewarded for good behavior. That's... Um, what everyone is focusing on and what the likes of Elon Musk and all these corporations that are signed up to the World Economic Forum, they are giving you at the moment, they're catching people out unawares, they're incentivizing with these um, loyalty programs, for example. So in, in South Africa, if you are a member, if you bank with a certain bank, so for example, there's a bank called First National Bank, in South Africa, and they have a incentive program called, you, you know, you earn something called e-bucks, which is deposited in, in, into your account. It's called e-bucks, which you can convert and spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at, a, it's at an exchange of 10 to 1. So every 10 e-bucks is equal to uh, 1 rand. So if you buy petrol or you fill up at a particular petrol station, in this case it's called the NGEN petrol station, and you use your First National Bank credit card, you will earn a certain quantity of e-bucks every single time you fill up your car. That's your incentive. Mm-hmm. And um, because I bank with FMB, I automatically, I started earning e-bucks myself. And because I travel a hell of a lot, it was very easy to do. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed spending my, my e-bucks on more petrol. <laughs> um, and then... I got a notification from First National Bank that, um, well, we, you know, you no longer will earn um, e-bucks 
if you shop with uh, with engine you will still continue to do so but now you have to register your vehicle please let us know what vehicle you've got oh. you, you can see where this is going uh-huh. and the sell there is that if you drive less you'll be rewarded with more e-bucks so now they're going to measure how far you go how, how much uh-huh. petrol you use and how many kilometers you drive you see how they get you uh-huh. So once they get you on the incentives and you're hooked to a far enough degree, especially if they can hook you to the point where, especially if, if society goes into a UBI system, you actually be- become dependent on those, on those um, incentives, then it's so easy to disincentivize you. Yes. So uh, the, the, what, where I was leading to is that Elon Musk has recently said on Twitter and it's a small, it's not the whole of Twitter, it's not the whole of your account, but it's certain aspects of the functionality within Twitter. He is saying that um, if you pay for a monthly subscription with Twitter, then you will get a little blue tick next to your name to verify who you are, which will give you, you'll get less advertising in your Twitter feed and you'll be pushed to the top of the row and more people will see you and all that type of thing. But the reason why is because of all this um, artificial intelligence and the danger posed by, you know, bots? Yes. Uh, they call them Twitter bots. Well, mm-hmm. it's to fight against that, you see. Mm. Um, so, you know, Elon Musk was doing the sell. It's, it's, it's logical and it's inevitable and it's the best way to counter these Twitter bots, you see. And just like... All the corporations have signed up as stakeholders with the World Economic Forum and the, the World... Uh, I think there's a World Council, um, Economic Council. You can see how the whole lot is going to lift up like a net under everyone's feet mm-hmm. and get them into this reward, punishment, incentive, disincentive system that they will be trapped in. Mm-hmm. And then you take away ownership and you become nothing but a, a, a renter of everything. The leverage to control every aspect of your life is absolutely complete. It is. Um, and See, it, and you, you try and tell people this, and they just, they, I think they know it's possible, but they are, I can see, they are prepared to ignore it. They absolutely they, are. And, you know, yeah. I, I, the whole idea of cryptocurrency, Alan had me looking into this, Several years ago, you know, mm. he said this is something that you know people want to send a Bitcoin or whatever. And so, I mean, as a piece of play money for the here and now, okay, fine. But yeah. what I discovered is that all crypto roads lead back to the World Economic Forum, and yeah. you know, I mean, cryptocurrency is blockchain technology, and it's the mm. block chain technology that is so important to have just a a really basic understanding of because the thing if you if you'll listen to klaus schwab speak about it or read an article about it on the world economic forum Hmm. what it is is that every single transaction from start to finish and everything in between is trackable and traceable it's completely Hmm. transparent that's why they love it yeah. It's they can turn your entire life on or off. Exactly. Yeah. 
I, th- I think what we'll do here, um, we, we've had a, a wonderful conversation here, and this hour has just flown by, and Darren has agreed to speak with me another hour, and we're going to have that as a part two next week or possibly two weeks from now. So we'll go ahead and say good night and thank you for listening and then join us again for part two with Darren from South Africa. And I thank you, Darren, so much for your time and agreeing to stay on and chat with me for another hour. Thanks, Melissa. It's been great to be on. Thanks. All right. So we'll see you next week. 